0: Welcome to Sport Faith Life with Brian Bolt and Chad Carlson, two guys who came together for one common purpose, to think deeply about sport and faith. They are sports scholars, they're coaches, and they're competitive athletes, or at least they were. And together, they've created Sport Faith Life, a conversation that meets at the intersection of sport and faith. Today on Sport Faith Life, we speak with Dr. Jared Ortiz, a teacher of Catholic Theology at Hope College, an expert on Augustine and the Nicene Creed. And he sees a fascinating connection between theology and the game of baseball. We can't wait to hear more about this during our conversation, so let's get started.
1: Well we're so excited to have Dr. Jared Ortiz with us today. Jared, tell us a little bit about sport in your life.
2: Yeah, I know you guys asked this uh, question of everybody, and so I was pondering it and actually um, realized it's a lot more important than I thought it was. Um, so yes yeah, so when I was a kid, I was totally obsessed with sports, you know, played baseball and soccer in a league, played basketball and football with my family and friends um wanted to be a baseball player when I grew up or a football player like most kids. When I realized I probably wasn't athletic enough. I wanted to be a sports announcer. Um, and so that was kind of the driving obsession of my life for a long time. I came to consciousness in 86 when the New York Mets won the world (laughs) series rather miraculously. Um, one of the best world series ever. Um, so I thought baseball was always like that. um, And then, uh, but when I was 10, I basically stopped playing sports almost completely. Um, My parents separated and we just stopped playing sports. And so I just didn't play. I mean, I probably played pickup and catch and things like that for years um, until 12th grade when I joined the town league and played soccer again. And um, that also came at a very interesting time in my life. It had a kind of a secular conversion away from like television and video games to at least returning back to nature and getting in touch with reality. And so sports became part of that. Went to college, went to University of Chicago, which is a very anti-sports school. Um, so I didn't play any sports. There may played some Frisbee or something, ultimate Frisbee. But um, then I was teaching in the inner city of Chicago after, um, after college. And it was really, really stressful, really challenging. Um, and so it was part of a teaching program. We would all play pickup basketball on Thursday nights. And that became a kind of saving grace in my life. And I would look forward to it every week. And I improved my game. as the most improved player, you know, amongst all my friends. Um, And then after that, after a few years of basketball, no sports. Um, Again, except for sort of pick up things. Until a few years ago, actually, when I was having sort of a quasi-professional crisis and I started getting back into baseball again, watching it, reading it. And then this year, um, uh, coaching Little League. So what I found is, yeah, sports, which were an obsession and then sort of disappeared, then sort of came in at these kind of crucial moments in my life um, as somehow the seemingly necessary thing for me to do.
1: It's a bit of an experiential roller coaster that you share, which is, which is really, really interesting. We'll, we'll probably get more into that. I also have more questions later on about about uh, being a sports announcer. You've got this this voice for it, right, that so few do. But we'll, we'll ask maybe more about that later. So tell us a little bit about faith in your life. So I am a uh, cradle
2: Catholic, uh, so raised Catholic, but not very well, so uh like to say we, are sac- we were sacramentalized, but not evangelized. So we got our sacraments, but we didn't meet Jesus or learn the gospel. Um, and so I have a very kind of Augustinian story of wandering away from the faith, but sort of read my way back into the church in college, um, my junior year of college at the University of Chicago, and then I've been a practicing Catholic ever since.
0: Well, Jared, I concur with Chad that your voice has these melodic tones that I could I could either get excited with a home run or fall asleep to, uh, which I did for Ernie Harwell for a number of years. So, yeah, uh, gr- uh, great to have you on the show. And I wonder if we can uh, maybe probe and ask a little something about uh, a, a hobby, something interesting in your life, something to help our listeners get to know you a little.
2: Oh, right. So this is the something unique about you. Yeah. Well, so currently, I mean, yeah, my hobbies are, you know, reading fiction and playing baseball with my kids. Um, you know, I know sometimes you frame it as something unique about you. And so I thought the one thing readers or listeners might not know is uh, you know my adventures in uh, hairstyles. So um, I, I used to have a mullet and then I had a mohawk, and then I had dreadlocks, and so, um, and wow. actually, that also coincides with sports, actually, because I was gonna play football in seventh grade in middle school. I was gonna play football. Um, I was gonna be a wide receiver, like Altoon, because I could catch with one hand back then. Um, and I went to the first practice or the first sign-up, you know, meeting, and the coach was handing out helmets, and he says, "You need a haircut." And I said, "Here's your helmet back. I'm not cutting my hair." <laughs> <laughs> and say, so, "Had
0: standards. I like great.
2: <laughs> no, no. Um, I'm not sure. Though I'm um, well it is standards, but I <laughs> maybe had principles, convictions, um, attachments is probably the best way to describe it." <laughs>
0: Well, I don't know where to go with that, exactly, <laughs> Chad, except we, that we uh, no. Chad is green with envy right now. I'm not sure he had a mullet <laughs> phase uh, or a mohawk phase, but nope, uh, you know, there's always still a chance. You neither. Go back to neither. that. <laughs> no. So, uh, Jared, at some point, your sort of interest in sports and just general uh, bookishness uh, as a scholar kind of came together, and you started to do to look into sport uh through an academic lens and i'm wondering uh could you tell us a little bit about that
2: yeah so this was the the latest phase of uh um rediscovering my love of sports and particularly of baseball um i was going through a pretty bumpy patch uh professionally a few years ago um I had, you know, reached tenure and um, was hitting a sort of, I think, sort of kind of like a mid-career crisis or something. And so I was kind of burning out, you know, I had too many, too many irons in the fire. And so I was um, feeling pretty fatigued. And so I'd gotten a, a subscription to uh, MLB uh, TV for my birthday. And so I was we're just watching that and just enjoying watching baseball again. And then realized my kids were old enough to start learning uh, to, to play. Um, so we have six kids. Um, and so the oldest is autistic and not interested in sports. But the other ones, um, the eight-year-old girl and the six-year-old boy and the four-year-old boy, were really interested. They were watching baseball with me. And so <clears throat> I taught them. So I was like, oh, great. Let's go sign them up for baseball. And it was too late for baseball. So I just did the Ortiz Clinic uh, last summer um, where I took them out. Um, so I was doing that and then I was just reading, uh, a lot on, on baseball, just sort of random articles that I could pick up some histories, um, prehistory of baseball and just sort of various things that is sort of found intriguing. And at this time, professionally, I was writing a book on the Nicene Creed. Um, and then as part of becoming full professor, we had to give a lecture, uh, at Hope, um, Hope College where I teach, Um, and I said, well, I could give a lecture on the creed, which, you know, is certainly interesting to me, but I said, if it, why don't I, uh, throw the word baseball in the title and see if it's more interesting to people. And so I kind of did this, um, uh, Frankenstein kind of lecture on, um, baseball and baseball and the creed.
1: So get into Jared, if you can, a little bit, get into where you saw those, those connections. Um, it, it, I mean, you're a theologian, and, and so, right, uh, a lecture on the Nicene Creed would be interesting, interesting to you and, and a number of colleagues, um, but this, this seemed to, to pull in a little bit more that was accessible to, say, a student through the lens of, of baseball, and, and Brian and I find the same thing, right, if we're going to do something academic, we put the word sport in it oftentimes it draws more people in and, and whether it actually interests them or not is another thing, but it, it draws them <laughs> in. And so, you know, you use baseball to draw people into this, but what was actually, you know, talk to the content because you, you drew me in, right? I, I'm, I'm there. I was there. I, I listened to the to the lecture. Um, but for our listeners, what's, what, what are the connections between baseball and the Nicene Creed?
2: Well, so it was interesting. So originally I was just going to do a two minute thing on baseball, um, which I eventually realized would be probably cheating people since it was, you know, half the title. Um, but I use, I use the image uh, in class, every class I teach when we start getting into doctrine. I say, you know, when you study theology, um, theology is, is, is a lot like um, uh, a baseball field, right? So especially when we study the creeds right, is that the the creeds are sort of foul lines, you know, that show us what's in play and what's out of play, you know, what's orthodox and what's heresy. Um, And there's a lot of people who are very suspicious of that, you know, and they say, well, that puts God in a box. And I say, well, no, because in baseball, right, you start at home plate, uh, but you sort of look out into an infinite horizon, right? And so you're trying to get to this infinite horizon. So when you do theology, these creeds, these doctrines, right, they, they function as foul lines that don't close god into formulas but actually keep our minds open to this infinite horizon right Um, and so it's a sort of very simple way of um, one dispelling some suspicion of the creeds amongst maybe some very evangelical students but then also saying well okay how do these things function you know in in our faith life right um because we want to play we want to play the game we want to play the game of faith you know we want to uh, we want to get to God, you know, and we don't want to think wrong things about God. We don't want to be derailed, you know. And so we need these rules. We need these foul lines. And we also need people calling the shots who say, yeah, this is in and this is out. And so that was like the initial sort of image I was going to give, you know, and just spend a few minutes on that and then just dive right into the creed and say, you know, these are ways of thinking about God that are in, in play. And these are these are fouls. Um, but then again, I realized I was sort of cheating, and so I said, well, you know, let's talk a little bit more about the field, about what's going on in uh, the shape of the field and the numbers that are um, that somehow emerged uh, in, in baseball, which have, I think, sort of deep, uh, if not theological, at least deep religious resonances um, that point us, uh, or, you know, remind us of truths about, about God that we also find in the creed.
0: So I, yeah, I don't want to minimize at all your opening, uh, statement there, uh, that you gave at the lecture and, and how you, uh, sort of connected that here, this whole idea of fair and foul and, um, the creeds essentially, if I'm following being the lines that, um, that kind of move us in a direction. And and it strikes me that I always thought, you know, such a small part of the world is within the field, right? There's there's much more space in foul territory. Um, (laughs) Yes, and maybe there's something more there as well. Uh, And I also think about, you know, you said there's a horizon out there. And by that, do you mean over the wall, right? the opportunity to to hit a home run and and the ball just continues on and and there's sort of this infinite space. I've never really thought about that. I I think that that's helpful uh, when we consider how theology does have uh, opportunities for growth and for exploration and expansion as we continue to sort of uh, keep pushing the game further and further ahead. So uh, when I think about baseball, are there... um, are there more aspects to this that you think um, can help illuminate what theology really is and what that exploration is that that, that you have found to sort of, uh, I guess, make contact with maybe the average reader or the average person?
2: Yeah. So I think, um, you know, just to, just to stay, stay with the field, uh, Image. I mean, so, you know, in the early game days of baseball, you know, there was no outfield fence. So the field really literally did sort of go on forever. And then there was actually a controversy over if you hit the ball out and it was fair, but it hooked on the other, you know, if it hooked around the foul pole, you know, was it foul? Um, and, you know, does the foul line actually extend all the way out? And it actually does not extend all the way out. <laughs> so once you get past the what, for us the fence and the foul lines, it really is it's it's all it's all fair, you know. It's all it's all God. It's all infinite uh, out there. I mean, what's you know what's interesting is you know it, you know we very rarely. I mean, home runs are still pretty rare, you know, even though we live in a in a home run age in, in terms of baseball. Um, but um, uh, and in some ways that is that does remind us of theology and the limits of theology i mean what we can say about god is still pretty minimal you know it's it's not it's not god right so we want to play the game we want to get as far as we can uh we want to explore as much as we can and go as deep as we can right but you know when we get to heaven and when our bodies are resurrected i mean we're going to know god in an infinitely more expansive way than we than we can here um so, you know, that being said, I mean, one of the things I, I talked about in this um, lecture uh, that that Chad heard was, I, you know, I started actually uh, studying to some of the numbers in in baseball. You know, so, um, you know, there's uh, whatever, you know, three outs, three strikes, four balls, three outs. There's nine players, nine innings, 90 feet between the bases, um, 60 and a half feet, uh, 60.6 Uh, uh, um, feet between the pitcher's mound and the catchers and the end home plate. Um, And so when you start looking at all these numbers, uh, you realize that many of them are multiples of three. uh, And then you occasionally have some uh, relations with four. Uh, So it's a game of threes and fours, and it's a game of circles and squares. And so when you sort of Look at that and the interesting interplay of that, you say, well, what's going on here with these threes and fours? Why are they using these numbers? You know, um, different than, say, like football, which is, you know, metric, <laughs> the gridiron, right? It's all tens, right? And there's something sort of rational um, and perhaps stunted about all of that. Um But uh in baseball, you know, you have this really um uh, beautiful interplay of um, you know, the 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 diamond, uh, which is a square. Um, and then, you know, the circle of the infield and the circle of the pitcher's mound and then rounding the bases. I mean, it's interesting. You don't go in a line on the bases, you round the bases, even though it's a square. And so once you start playing with those things, you see, um, this juxtaposition of, of circles and squares, which has deep, deep religious, uh, uh resonances. So the circle and the square, uh, are, are generally understood to be, um, you know, the the heavenly and the earthly, the the circle uh, generally represents God, uh, who has no beginning or end, uh, who's mysterious, right, whose parts don't divide, right, you have the mysterious number pi, which comes out of the circle, right, which is a very sort of mysterious and incommensurable number, as opposed to the square where all the corners meet, right, and so you have, there's ways of dividing it up evenly, and so it's generally meant to be, um, Uh, the heavenly and the earthly. Or uh, the divine, right? So again, three is associated with the circle. And so you have Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Three is a magic number. If you remember your schoolhouse rocks days, Uh, three is a magic number. Uh, Four, you have the four elements of the earth, right? And so what you see sort of in baseball is uh, that these kind of come together. They're sort of, in a sense, um, uh, reconciled, or at least they evoke a kind of reconciliation Uh, which you can see in a lot of sort of ancient um, religious architecture. So certainly our medieval cathedrals, you know, in our own Christian tradition. Um, But even in say like Buddhist mandalas, you see the same circle and square Stonehenge, right? Has that same circle and square reconciliation because these are um, symbolic ways of trying to show sort of the harmony of heaven and earth, or the reconciliation of of heaven and earth, or the divine and the human, and so baseball has the. I mean, so I mean when, when you talk about when you talk to people about baseball, right? I mean, it's probably the most nostalgic sport. I mean, you get some nostalgia for old football. Um, maybe in other countries they have nostalgia for old. Um, old soccer and other things. But um, baseball is certainly the most nostalgic, right? And nostalgia comes from the Greek word nostos. uh, uh, It means a longing for home, right? And, of course, it's a game about homecoming, right? And even home plate is in the shape of a house, right? And so especially when you come in, you're actually entering in through the door there, right? So you have this sort of longing for home, this homecoming, right? And ultimately, right, I mean, we, we all... Want a place on earth, but ultimately, you know, as Augustine says, you know, God made us for Himself, and our heart is restless until it rests in Him, right? And so we're really longing for finding our home in God, right? And so baseball is sort of evocative of this, right? Both in the trying to come home and in the reconciliation of the circle and the square, or the heavenly and the earthly, or the divine and the human, and then also, you know, um, as uh, you know, Bart. Bart Amati, who was a a Yale English professor, and then also the uh, commissioner of baseball before he passed away uh, of of cancer. He wrote so eloquently about sort of the Edenic, you know, the the, the sort of um, the Edenic uh, resonances of the baseball field, you know, and that certainly many of us have that sort of experience when we go onto a field or go to a game, just those long expanses of green, you know, sort of evocative of this unspoiled garden, you know, and so this this longing to return home to our primordial home in Eden where we were in harmony with God. Um, and then again, all of the numbers which play out in really interesting ways.
1: Jared, you and I had a conversation a couple of years back, you might not even remember, but in passing, you said baseball is God's sport. And at the time, I, I laughed and thought you meant something about sacrifices being worth something and being counted in baseball, and um, you know, also the idea that you you fail more than you succeed, and that having something to do with uh, in corollary to, to sin in our lives. But what I'm hearing from you now is something quite different that might actually be a, a deeper and probably better response to uh, uh, to the question. What is God's sport? And the answer, that being baseball. I know you're still, <laughs> you would still never say that more than tongue, tongue in cheek, but that's just really interesting to me to hear you say that. I'm also sort of struck by the fact that you're coaching little league and wondering if any of what you just said is a part of the Ortiz baseball clinic. You know, I can imagine nine, <laughs> nine and ten year olds really getting excited about what you, about nostos and, and uh, uh, nostalgia and baseball. I absolutely agree that, that baseball is, is the nostalgic sport, at least in the U.S. So you mentioned in your answer uh, sort of the title of, of, one, of your, one of your books, that is, um, uh, you, you Made Us for Yourself. Um, you know, this is Augustinian uh, research that you've done over time. You know, most, most faculty members who are active in their research are... Um, Work towards sort of coming into their their sort of magnum opus, or their best work, sort of later on in their career, as 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 experience helps and aids, as we become better in our skills, as our thinking becomes more refined. I'm I'm wondering if you might be coming into, you know, forget forget <laughs> just being an Augustinian scholar. Let let's think about sort of a, a baseball theologian here. That might be your great calling. Your your response to that?
2: Yeah. Well, so I I. I teed that up to stay with the baseball metaphors. Um, I was invited to give another talk on the creed um, out in Denver and I had offered them this baseball talk, this baseball and creed talk. Uh, And I said, if they green light this, I will devote the next year to diving into this theology of baseball. And they, they said no. What? And so, uh, yeah, I know savages. They wanted a much more straight ahead, uh, creed talk, um, for their audience. So yeah, so then I got invited to do a bunch of other things. And so yeah, so the theology of baseball stuff is kind of on the back burner. Um so yeah, so I am still reading um you know, I'm reading baseball books for fun and in my spare time. Um and so maybe in a few years I'll be able to circle back around to it.
1: Come um, to come back home. You'll be, you'll be able to come come back home, right? <laughs> Round the bases. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I mean, it's interesting to think too. I mean, maybe you guys could sort of help me with this um, too. I mean, it is, I mean, all games, right, are tap into something sort of deeply human, you know, and uh, you guys may probably have talked about this in different episodes too. I mean, you know, a lot of the, um, a lot of other sports are sort of based on sort of more martial imagery, right? So to, opposing armies, you know, trying to conquer each other's territory, football probably being the most prominent there, you know, but certainly hockey and basketball and even soccer in its more elegant way. You know, I think soccer subdues it um, uh, somewhat by not using the hands, but um, but it's, it's still the same. Um, it's the same kind of image. And of course, baseball is sort of different and seems to be tapping into other just other elements of the human experience there and again i think the numerology is part of that i think the imagery of the field is part of that um and i think even just the elements of the game i was just reading this beautiful essay by um roberto echevarria who i think is another yale prof um who um it's a, it's an essay called The, the Magic of Baseball but even talks about the dugout as a kind of, you know, entering into the realm of the dead, you know <laughs> kind mm-hmm. of a death and a resurrection a kind of coming out, you know and then returning there if you get out, right you know, going back to Hades, the land of the shadows you know um, and so again, I just think there's all these interesting things in baseball, you know, the two teams never square off against each other. There's something very mysterious about the catcher. Who's the only one who can see the whole field, you know, from that vantage point of home plate. Um, so, I mean, I just think there's things to, there's mysteries here to be pondered, you know? Um, and so far, I mean, I, I, I the history of baseball is my next, um, and not just the Ken Burns kind of stuff, but like the history of like the actual game is sort of my next reading but like you know how intentional is this or is again is this just expressions of sort of deep human longing deep human substructures of our soul you know uh deep human memory you know um the way that god created us you know sort of being expressed i think really beautifully you know just in the setup of the game so yeah i mean i think there's mysteries here to be pondered so um i do hope to return to this someday but um Maybe when people leave me alone.
0: Well, I'm going to echo Chad that um, uh, maybe there is a, a still small voice whispering to you that uh, <laughs> this is the this is a new direction, uh, and maybe it's Chad's. Uh, and uh, you know, when I think about. Uh, your paper being accepted. I, I do know of, know of an organization that will accept your paper in 2025. Uh, we will uh, be reaching out to you and getting you to show up for us at the, the next Global Congress in Waco, Texas. Oh my um, yeah. So maybe to, to, to bring this to completion a little bit, I mean you said the numbers three and the numbers four, uh, if you add them up you get seven, which kind of gets us to completion. I wonder if you help us understand a little bit what this exploration if if we're not really sure how it lands how has it landed for you as you've gone into this uh as you've started to take your your scholarly preparation your understanding of the nicene creed your overall picture of theology and now you're you're talking about games and a particular game but games in general as well um how has it made you sort of think of either theology differently or your life differently? Um, even even if that's an, an incomplete answer.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think part of what has been so enjoyable about some of the very nascent research um, uh, that I've done is that it's really playful, you know? And I mean, obviously we're studying a game, And, you know, there's, I think there are serious sports historians who, you know, people who study games, you know, seriously. And that's really, really interesting work too. Um, But for me, there's just, there's been just something sort of leisurely about it, you know, not grinding away, trying to get this article or, you know, say something that's going to get accepted at a journal or impressing my peers or, you know, something like this, you know, I mean, I truly am a dilettante you know i'm an amateur right an amateur right is, is a lover right you know someone who does this out of love um and so um there's been that's part of what it is i mean again this arose at a very sort of stressful time in my life and was this way of entering into a kind of contemplative leisure you know i mean i'm not sure actually i'm pretty sure I, I'll let me say this Baseball, I don't, I, I think, does not have the answers to our ultimate questions. <laughs> um, but I mean, it was funny because I was, you know, as I was working through these numbers, and there's all these great books on numerology. And numerology, I mean, we, we generally assign that to like crazy people, right? You know, fortune cookies and things like that. Uh, but uh, all of the ancients took numbers very, very seriously. The Bible takes numbers seriously, right? You know, God created the world and. and you know, six days and he rested on the seventh day. And those numbers recur, right? Jesus takes three apostles up Mount Tabor and is transfigured before them. And he calls 12 apostles, right? Um, And he sends out 70. And, you know, I mean, there's all these numbers, right? 40, right? They're 40 years in the desert and Jesus 40 days in the desert, right? Um, And so there's all these numbers that are very, very important, you know? And these numbers, I think, are not just randomly assigned meaning. I mean, I think they have um, the natural, natural meanings and natural relations, you know, and and mathematics generally looks at the quantitative meaning of number as opposed to the qualitative meaning of number, right? So we're just adding these up and making them do stuff in our modern world. But the ancients understood that there was qualitative relations and that actually these numbers get us into the mind of God who created the world according to number, you know? Um, and so, you know, when you discover these golden ratios in nature and, you know, in architecture and in the flower and in the galaxies, and right, you're like, yeah, God is, God has a mathematical mind, right? He's not bound by numbers, right? But he creates according to number, right? Uh, and a qualitative number, you know? And so again, baseball is somehow sort of tapped into this, you know? And so uh, it's, was, it's just beautiful, beautiful to study, but I mean, I've, there was some temptations of like, oh, if I figure this out, I'm actually going to figure out the, the meaning of the universe, you know? And if you've read um, uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, right? Number 42 is the meaning of the universe. Well, that's Jackie Robinson's number, you know? Um, that was also just in the original baseball. Before they settled on 90, They had it was 42 paces, right? I mean, so I mean, like these numbers occur like in all sorts of, um, in all sorts of places, right? And so again, I think there's just this and I, what's interesting to me is just, is, who, is anybody aware of this when they're sort of s- settling the baseball rules, or is it really just an expression, just like a, a deep expression of our religious being, you know, in, in baseball?
1: So many questions. Questions, So many good good <laughs> questions, Jared, that I don't know how you're going to be able to put this off to do more <laughs> serious things. But I, I will say probably in, in most disciplines in, a, in the academic world, uh, studying sport is not the way to impress your, your peers, however fun it may be. But it is a way to impress us and, and our colleagues within uh, uh, that are living at the intersection of sport and, and Christianity. So, uh, Jared, we, we thank you for sharing your insights with us. I imagine our listeners are going to bombard us and, and possibly even get straight to you with, with more questions here as you've piqued our interest to looking more at, uh, uh, deeply at, at baseball and theology. So we thank you for your time. Really appreciate you being with us today. Wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. It's been great. Thanks for tuning in to the Sport Faith Life podcast, a conversation at the intersection of sport and faith. Read the corresponding blog post and learn more about us at sportfaithlife.com. Listen to more of our podcasts on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Follow us on social media to stay up to date with everything sport faith faith.